welcome to the Mad Mamluks. I'm Mahin and I'm here with my co-host Sim. On today's show, we have Maria Ahmed from the Book of Muslim Campaign. Maria, welcome to the show. Assalamu alaikum and jazakallah khair for coming on. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for having me. No problem, no problem. I understand you, uh, first of all, thanks for coming on in the morning. I know you had a wedding to go to last night, and I know Muslim weddings, and especially brown Muslim weddings, <laughs> you are fortunate to get fed before midnight, so hope you got some sleep. I mean, I had to wake up early with my one-year-old anyway, so. I hear you. <laughs> you know, Mari and I, we actually connected um, for the first time several years ago. Was it 2010, I think it I think was? So, yeah. uh, she is the first elected female president of the MSA at The Ohio State University. And uh, I know that because I was the president at that same school of MSA, Muslim Student Association, in 2005. And we were chatting before that in my time, having a female president was like, like just something that we couldn't even conceive of. And we'll, we'll have another, we'll have to probably have another podcast <laughs> to talk about that. But uh, it's always good to reconnect with someone um, from Buckeye Nation. Can I get an OH? I O. <laughs> All right. So let's get started with the, with the show. Uh, Book of Muslim, t- you have, this is a project that you and your husband, uh, Omar Worsi, have started. It's been, a, what, a few months now? Yeah, we started in February. Okay. So talk to us about the project, just the nuts and bolts of it, and then I want you to talk about the campaign you guys are doing right now as far as doing some fundraising because we really want to, you know, get the business part of it uh, up front in the show. Yeah. So we started Book of Muslim in February, but it's an idea we've had like forever, um, at least for the past couple years. So professionally, my my title is I'm the coordinator for student life and campus diversity at Indiana University Kokomo campus. And so what I do is I do all the diversity programming for campus that includes, you know, Black History Month, Hispanic Heritage Month, all those things. And so Muslims are a part of diversity. And so my supervisor always been very open to me inviting Muslim speakers or just talking about Islam. And being Muslim, it's like, oh, I know speakers to invite or, you know, artists who may be Muslim and have a positive message to bring to campus. But most people in my field are not Muslim. And a lot of people want to talk about Muslims, especially with the climate in the world. And if you just Google it, random things will come up. And speakers who may not represent American Muslims or our stories or our journeys will come up and they come to campus all the time. So to fill that void, we started Book a Muslim where you can book a Muslim speaker, artist, performer by just going to bookamuslim.com. Um, and so because I'm in the college atmosphere, that's our first um, audience that we're going towards. That's the one that we want to focus on in our first couple of years. Now, what typically happens, just to rewind a little bit, mm-hmm. when, when someone is trying to book a Muslim... Mm-hmm for a speaking engagement, what are some problems that happen that that would be resolved by an organization such as yours? Sure. So for example, um, in undergrad, we had a Muslim speaker come to campus. That Muslim speaker who claimed to be Muslim talked about how the Quran says that Muslims are taught to hate Jewish people. That was his preface. And so a lot of times when people are booking Muslim speakers, they may not be the Muslim speakers that Muslim Americans want to have on the po- that platform. Right. So that's one of the major issues we see. You know, there's other speakers that you may have heard of, like Ayan Hirsi Ali. She's on campuses all the time talking. And I literally got an email it, because of my profession. I got an email that said in the subject, you know, talk about Muslims. Let's talk about Islam. Of course, it was during around 9-11 because that's the time people apparently want to talk about it. And I opened the email just to see, okay, who is this Muslim speaker that they're promoting? And it was her. Yeah. And so I got that email. I know the background, but across the nation, people don't know. They're just going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm being so inclusive. I'm inviting a Muslim speaker. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I am Hirsi Ali, if anyone doesn't know. 
out there. She's a, a Somali origin a speaker who is a notorious Islamophobe. She just she tries to play it off that she's anti-extremist Muslim, but in reality, if you give her just two minutes to speak, you will you can easily tell that she hates all Muslims and um, yeah. she there's nothing that else she wants but the elimination of Islam in the world. I mean, that it's so obvious that even non-Muslims kind of feel a little weirded out by her. But what, it, it kind of leads me to uh, something that happened currently, just to talk about some current events that happened. Omar Suleiman recently spoke at in Dallas, and there was some criticism about him speaking. It showed to me that if Omar Suleiman didn't speak, there would be somebody like that who would be coming up and speaking on our behalf. Because, uh, I mean, if anyone's wondering if why anyone would be upset at Omar Suleiman speaking for the the Dallas officers, was it Memorial? Right. I think they were upset about... Him uh, having a platform with Bush and Obama. Exactly. And they're like, these presidents have killed like all these Muslims. They have Muslim blood on their hands. And how can you as an imam or a religious scholar support them? Yeah. But the flip side of it is some people who say that sometimes they lose sight of the fact that, okay then fine, you can have a person like Ayat Hirsi Ali or Irshad Manji or right. even Pamela Someone. Geller stuff oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like exactly. on the platform talking about Islam. Exactly. I mean, being part of an MSA, I mean, all three of us know some of these challenges that even non-Muslims have just trying to engage with Muslims that, hey, who is your voice? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to collect not really collect, but we know there's so much Muslim talent out there, whether that's spoken word or calligraphy or just, you know, the expertise that you could do in a speech or a lecture and putting them in a central location that's easy to find. And, you know, a lot of times we, when we talk in the Muslim community, it's like, oh, why don't you have Noman Ali Khan on there or Omar Salman? Well, they are already doing a lot of amazing work. They are already busy every single like day of their life. So it's hard for us to get in touch with them and have them on that platform when we know there's so many more people who have more time and more willingness to travel to a lot of college campuses and have those experiences yeah yeah so, i mean and, and that's one of the things for that when i heard about your organization i'm like you know we're kind of similar in that respect where we're trying to bring to light a lot of people who the community doesn't really know that well but they're really like us you know in, in basketball they have rookies that are sure. like the star rookies that are kind of coming up up and coming and and we who are kind of informed in uh, those those type of circles will know about them, but the greater Muslim community won't know right. about them, right? So we're trying to work and bring these people to light, also. And we and we we believe that a lot of people we've had on our show are going to be superstars in this ummah in a very short amount exactly. of time. Inshallah, yeah. Inshallah. That's yeah, what I we're mean, going for too. Those rising stars getting there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the superstars don't need much help; they're right. getting those speaking engagements. Every day they have 10 lined up. Mm-hmm. So we have to help the regular people, uh, the people who don't necessarily have a whole team mm-hmm. behind them and uh, right. and kind of propelling them to, to stardom. And it's not necessarily stardom. I, I don't want right. anyone to think that, you know, we're, we're here to prop anyone specifically up. But we want to let people know who everyone is because as we started this, I know Mahin's always been really well-known among all the, the speakers and that, that whole community in this country. But for me, at least, it, it's been 
completely eye-opening where I met so many amazing people in this short amount of time. How do so many people not know about these people, you know? Mm -hmm. So right now you've got it. You guys have a, like a launch good campaign. So talk to us a little mm -hmm. bit about that specifically, what you guys are trying to do and the time frame for that. Yeah. So as I mentioned, like the first couple of years, we want to focus on college campuses. And so as a professional, I take students to these conferences where we see different performances. It's like a four day conference and there's different regional ones. So there's Mid-America, which would be Midwest and there's like South and Northeast and West. Um, and so we go to these conferences, students sit in a huge auditorium and schools all over the nation will come to these conferences and book their comedians or, you know, spoken word artists, anything like that that you see on college campus activities. You know, every college has student activity fees that students pay, which could be from 30 to actually 180 bucks. And so the university takes that money. They have students who pick programs. They bring them campus so that camp students can have, you know, entertainment on campus or just out of the classroom and learning experiences. So at these conferences, they have all those speakers and things like that who are performing. They get little like five minute gigs People hear them and they're like, okay, that'd be cool to bring to campus. So that's those are the conferences we're trying to get at. Um, the funds would help us raise money to go to the conferences, travel there, the registration fees, the booth space fee to actually have a booth for Book of Muslim. And then we also have applied to showcase. And showcase means you actually get the time on stage in front of the students and administration. So they put in hundreds of applications and we actually got selected for so far five out of five that we've applied for. Just showing that, you know, Muslim people want to hear Muslims. And they literally have said, you know, we got 341 applications for this conference. We can only pick 20. And you've been selected as one of those. So once you get selected, there's more fees you have to pay for that. So really, the funds are just helping us get Book of Muslim out there where we know there's a demand. They're actually selecting us to be there in front and center. And we want to make it happen. And we don't want funds to be the reason that we can't do it. Yeah, I mean, letting people know you exist is 90% of the cost mm -hmm. for anything. Uh, that's been our challenge also just, and why we always tell our listeners just, Hey, if you support us, we're not asking you for money. Just hit like on our Facebook. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, we don't have to travel anywhere. We've got the studio set up here and, right. and we're like down to crash. You know, if you know a cousin, well, we don't even, we have no shame in that. We'll crash anywhere. We need to crash to save money because we just want to get it out there. Right. Um, and so, and it's true. We truly believe this. Any like dollar that goes towards it. And if somebody hears a good word of Islam that affects them, you're getting that good deed. Yeah. So yeah. you never know. We got a boot at Isna and we're thinking about just crashing in the booth overnight. <laughs> just to save on cost I, I got a hotel room guys so <laughs> and mine could. always has the hookups you know um, us regular people have to it, it's funny booth. you mentioned that because I was listening to an interview with Noman Ali Khan when he first started the Bayina Arabic program mm -hmm. and he went to Baton Rouge and he was just crashing in the masjid I think oh yeah I think and, I heard that lecture too and even like you know I, he, I first met him in 2007 when he came to Columbus and he was just crashing in some uncle's place by mm -hmm. Masjid Noor and, you know, I don't know if he still does that or not, but, you know, it gave him a good idea to fill out the community out. Because sometimes oh, yeah. speakers will come in and they'll do the hotel thing and only show for the speech. Right. But, you know, that's not not, not, to, not to digress too much. But, but yeah, so back to what we're talking about as far as, you know, MSAs or other organizations or student organizations where maybe there isn't a large uh, Muslim population trying to bring a speaker on campus. Mm -hmm. I didn't think about that was an issue, much of an issue in 2005 when I was the president. Because we were very meticulous about, meticulous about vetting our speakers and even our khatibs for Juma. Like we had our Juma khutbah schedule kind of mapped out throughout the year with topics even. Right. Um, because of some other – because of stuff that happened in the past. 
But I remember the year after, I was still at Ohio State, and you know, I was not involved in MSA at the time. I I was I finished my term, and I went to Islamic Awareness Week, and there was a brother there who had who I knew who was part of I think USG, which is the undergraduate mm-hmm. student government at Ohio State, and he would help us with stuff like securing the Ohio Union for events like Fastathon, other programs, and he was helpful. I never looked at him as a, someone who would be able to speak on Islam. So I walk in there, right? And I walk in a little late. I sit down next to, a, a, you know, another friend of mine who was an old MSA alum. And he looks at me like disgusted. He's like, yo, this dude is just speaking kufr like left and right. I'm like, all right, <laughs> let me sit back and listen. And he's like talking about like, you know, as Muslims, we have to pray. You know, we should pray. But, you know, you don't have to pray. I mean, I don't pray. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there were people afterwards, like going after the president at the time, and he was he had, for him was like a facepalm moment. But it was an indication of like, yeah, a lot of people in MSAs because you you want to do good work, but you may not have the knowledge or the ability or the criteria necessary to know who to vet. You right. know, because a Muslim coming from the middle of uh, there's a lot, you know, at Ohio State, we have a lot of Muslims coming from the middle of nowhere in Ohio, right? Mm-hmm. And they want to get involved in MSA. And they're like, yeah, we should invite, I don't know, Ann Coulter to speak about Muslims. Maybe she knows about Islam. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a kind of a stretch, but it, 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 it can get kind of crazy. You know right. what I mean? And so the thing is with Bickle Muslim, you know, and that's the thing with you with MSAs, it's so much easier to contact because you just Facebook message them. And most of the time you get a response. So it's more for the non-Muslims. Honestly, like every campus has a, a campus activities board, you know, Ohio Senate, Ohio Union, Ohio Union Board. You know, so it's like. These people are having lots of money to do programming. You know, MSAs don't even have money. So this kind of sometimes it's like, hey, you're going to do this for free? Come on over. Yeah. And so that's that's another issue. But so that's why we're focusing more on non-Muslims who are already having to do diversity programming, trying to make campus more inclusive. And Muslims are a hot topic. So here are the Muslims, you know, that are legit to invite. And it's not just lecture because, you know, already sitting in lecture like half the week anyway so yeah. here's a different way to hear from muslims um so that's what we're really focusing in on is like getting them on the university calendar not just an msa we have been helping msas kind of get just diversifying their islamic awareness week or discover islam week so it's not just the same speaker or just the msa president speaking every time but helping them find people within their budget too gotcha so now after graduation like when did this idea first come about for you guys so, How did it start? Yeah. So for grad school, I went to Northern Illinois University. And so NIU MSA was much smaller than Ohio State MSA. So for me, it was a shock. You know, Ohio State, we had so many people. We had so many committees doing different things. And here we were like six people at NIU. So that was like eye-opening for me. And we had a spe- we did have a speaker come who was, you know, oh, I'm traveling the country and I will do it for free. We're like, okay. We look at his Facebook page. He had lots of likes. Sounds good to me. Well, he was saying, I mean, and, you know, sometimes, you know, you obviously have to look at your audience. Something could be true in Islam, but you had to think about who you're saying it to, right? Like, you can't just you know, start saying Arabic or asking, oh, who, you know, is the longest ayah of the Quran and everybody's non-Muslim. Like, what do you mean? And that literally happened. And so we're like, okay, how can we do this to make it so other MSAs know not to invite this person? Yeah. You can invite him for a Juma Khutbah, but not for Islamic Awareness Week. And so how do we do that? How do we create something like that? And that's kind of where it was always in the back of our mind. Like, okay, okay, this is the speaker who'd be good for this. This speaker's good for that. Um, the speaker's not good at all. Um, <laughs> those kind of things. And so then, then actually a couple years later, when I started my job at Indiana University, um, it was more, oh, wow, these are, there's formal agencies who do these things for other, you know, communities and populations. 
why aren't we organized like that as a Muslim community? Dude, honestly, before you guys, I even heard about you guys, I was thinking about this type of thing, that we need an organization like yeah, this. Yeah, that's the thing, too. We hear that a lot. They're like, oh, people are like, oh, I could have done that. I had that idea. And the thing yeah. is, it's not a novel idea. It's just we are, we've committed to putting the time, yeah. effort, and money into it to make yeah. it happen. And No, well, we need a, a blacklist, too, right? Yeah, we, need, exactly. we need to let people know, like, hey, do not invite this person mm-hmm. on your show. That's been great, too. Like, just even the awareness of different people, like, just contacting us, not even to book a person, a speaker or anything. Just like, hey, what do you guys think about this? You know, I heard about this. What do you guys think? And Because yeah. we might be the only Muslim that some people know. We were invited to a radio show, and the show was actually um, broadcasted in Boston. And so we phoned in. And the host, it was just, like, really, we were the only Muslims he knew. That's why we were in Indiana, and he's in Boston and calling yeah. us. Which, and you would think, okay, Boston, big city, but, you know, people are in their own worlds. We think that people are knowing and, you know, meeting people, but they're not always. So, you know, he just talked about basic things like, what is Sharia law? And, you know, do you guys hate us kind of thing? And he, for, he emails me all the time, like, anytime anything happens, he's like, I hope you guys are okay. And, you know, thanks so much for coming on the show. And it was such a little thing for us to just be on there for 20 minutes. But for him, it was huge. So who's on your roster right now? Is there anybody of note that's been a popular speakers on the circuit? Um, sure. So we, um, Rohina Malik is one of our most requested. If you know her, she does a one woman play. She's actually based out of Chicago. So she does like different women, Muslim women stories in a play format. Um, and because it is a play drama, people are really requesting that. Um, we also have, um, Amr Amr F. Ahmed. So again, he's somebody who's not very popular in the Muslim community, but non-Muslim, he is awesome like does a lot of islamophobia and he's also in the higher education field so people know him and he's very requested he also talks about like cultural appropriation and um you know whitewashing things that happens all the time so he talks about that um we have a couple of spoken word people my husband's actually one of the spoken word artists as well and then we have um a couple calligraphy artists some of them we have we have one on every coast because we get that a lot too because you know it's yeah, it's only it's calligraphy and it's art, and no. that's a good way to open that door of conversation. And what we're doing with the calligraphy is, it, we do this on campus. If you might have seen, you know, when you go to like the beach or like Chinatown type of place, they write your name, like create in like a cool font and whatever. And so people want their name written; they just want to see it in like a text that they haven't seen. Yeah, totally. So yeah. we do that like for Welcome Week. You know, we have our artists come out, have nice paper and pens. They'll write, you know, their name in Arabic and then in English and. You know, sometimes they do a calligraphy workshop. So that's been a really popular yeah. program as well. And you guys get a lot of niche requests. Like, I'll give an example of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the past, as far as organizing conferences or even something that we just had in the past with, like, Elmfest, mm-hmm. you you know, Elmfest, for example, you, you're from with Elmagrib mm-hmm. Institute. They usually bring Elmagrib speakers to speak at Elmfest. And mm-hmm. Elmagrib has a roster of female speakers, mm-hmm. right? And you kind of know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. They're... Sometimes when the roster comes out, mm-hmm. because for whatever reason, let's say Sister Yasmin Mujahid is not available mm-hmm. or Dalia Mujahid is not available because mm-hmm. of schedule, because they're busy sure. and they're stretched really thin, you end up maybe only having one or two speakers on a conference mm-hmm. panel. Right. And then the backlash just oh, starts yeah. from the sisters, other sisters in the community are like, you guys don't respect women. They're not representing – we're not representing prop- – being represented properly. Mm-hmm. You know, can – you know, but for that, that's like a niche of like, okay, it's Elmfest. We need someone who has speaking speak of knowledge. And then mm-hmm. what happens to us is, you know, you would get a list of speakers, but they're like community activists right. or attorneys. Right. There's some like female shakers on there, but then you can't get them. Yeah. So like, 
how do how do you deal with that? It's like I'm sure that's a special request you're getting because I see it a lot in a lot of conferences that I've worked for. Every conference I want to say in the last two years that I've worked mm-hmm. with seems to be there's this backlash of there's not enough female representation mm-hmm. at sp- speaking on stage. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you go to our website, I think that's something we pride ourselves on right now. We have about 20 people on there and it's extremely diverse, not just in gender, but race. And, you know, we hear that a lot, too. A lot of times black Muslims are left out of the picture, especially when you're thinking like Chicago area. We, it's very brown. And so we and it just worked out, you know, like the people every time we talk to somebody, somebody's like, oh, I know so and so. And so it's worked out that we've talked to them. And it's I think it's very diverse. I think there's. Once you are looking for them, you can find the people. Oh, yeah. We've been trying to get someone involved or someone who's involved with Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. movement to come on the show. And it's like pulling teeth. It's Mm -hmm. insanely hard finding. I mean, we know they're out there. And they haven't got to be Muslim, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just want to be able to find somebody to speak on certain topics that are. And see, we can hook you up with that because we actually, you know, I I send out a newsletter every two weeks to like the schools that we've um, at the conferences. You get a list of the schools that are there. Right. So we email them every two weeks of the speakers that we had. And two weeks ago we did that. You know, what is it like being black and being Muslim? Obviously, I'm not going to speak on that, but I have speakers. We have like three or four speakers who are that's their expertise you know they have done research on black history and in, in america and the movement we also have this guy he does a a black history 101 museum which i think would be really cool to have like an isna or something because we don't always think about that you know yeah. a lot of people don't think about that but he has like 250 artifacts just throughout american history and including black lives matter and how you know this is all american history that is left out of textbooks yeah and so he does that as a museum he has it open for like eight eight hours a day and then he does a little lecture about the history and he's also muslim so it is all our speakers are not just going to be talking about being muslim but they're just muslim and they ha- do something or have an expertise what about the people who are in the gray the, the 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 different shades of gray that are in the muslim community some some of the more controversial people mm-hmm. how do you deal with those people yeah, so the sole discretion is up to us to who to include. Um, so we, you know, we talk to people. We have had our requests. I mean, I don't want to name them, but where it's like, mm, do I, do we truly think you're a representation of the American Muslim experience? Yeah. Um, and we just have that conversation, frankly, you know, and sometimes yeah. we'll ask questions, you know, even with, for example, our black speakers, what is your take on Black Lives Matter? Because, you know, a lot of people have different views on that. And so we have a certain view and not that we want to say we're, our view is right, but it is our company. And so we have that power yeah, to kind yeah. of vet as we need to. Um, so uh, a lot of people are going to say or they're going to want to know, well, what is your criteria? I mean, mm-hmm. I think what I'm trying to get at is, is maybe it's worth exploring having, you know, two or three scholars of different backgrounds uh, who, who are, you know, well-rounded, but people who, you know, the community looks up to and accepts uh, their uh, their opinion on, on certain matters, right? Mm-hmm. So if we could have some some scholars who all volunteer sometime, it's not like, you know, they're coming and meeting you guys every right. time you need some advice, but a quick email to mm-hmm. uh, a scholar x or and scholar y and just have their thoughts on so and so what do you think about that yeah we do kind of have a sounding board so when you know when we do feel like okay we don't really know we, we have a couple of people that we turn to and in the past before we started we kind of wanted to start that way too was like have some speaker on their speakers on there that people respect so they seem like okay when they go to the website okay it's legit you know i see all so and so so okay i think if they're on here i can feel more comfortable with everybody else who's on here yeah the issue that we've had is they're not getting it. 
Yeah. They're like, oh, what do you mean people don't know Muslim speakers? They already, I'm like booked all the time. Or like, they're not really understanding the whole missing picture. There's, yeah. in their world, they're booked all the time or they're seeing active Muslims in, in Dawah and interfaith work. So they're not seeing that. Yeah, you may be in D.C. You may be in Chicago. I live in Kokomo, Indiana. There's 10 Muslim families. And they don't know. And we have a college campus right there. They're not going to get that experience. They're not going to get that exposure yeah. unless we do this. Yeah. And so a lot of times there's like this blind sight with when we're talking to people like that, you know, just can we just have you as a sounding board or just somebody there so that feels more legit for the people who are looking at it because they will trust you and they're just not getting it. Yeah. So that's been the biggest issue, honestly. <laughs> and I'm sure some of the bigger name speakers will appreciate the work you guys are doing because they're already overwhelmed with bookings and, you know, right. you know, and as, as Sim had mentioned previously, I've gotten to know a lot of these guys over the past like decade even. And you see just how with, as their kids get older and how tight they are with their own time. You know, I was at we, we were at a conference last weekend and uh, Sheikh Omar Suleiman was one of the speakers. And I'm trying to get him to his hotel room because he's got to get catch a flight to Jordan. And there are people like cornering him for fatwa mm-hmm. questions, mm-hmm. like in the hall. And I and he's a nice guy. He's not right. gonna be like to say no. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I look to my left or right, and I see like others people who are well educated in Islam. Like we have, a, you know, Sheikh Omar Hadruj, who's mm-hmm. also a graduate from the University of Medina, and he's just there chilling, like on the couch right. with his buddy, who's also a student at the University of Medina. And that question could have been asked. To them. That's such a huge issue. (laughs) A couple years ago, I was on the planning committee for the MSA National Convention, you know, that happens with ISNA. Um, And so we were like a brand new committee. So I've been a part of MSA National as well. And, you know, we did a strategic planning process to kind of, you know, revamp national. Um, That's a whole nother podcast for sure. Uh, But being part of the uh, programming committee, we talked a lot. uh, There was a new committee and it was a lot of fresh ideas. That's what we wanted to do is have people that are, you know, people may not know them that well, but they have the expertise. They have those skills to share. Give them that platform so people get to know them more. And so it does take the load off of the people who are always on there. And, you know, we get to hear a fresh perspective, not just the same people that you can hear on YouTube all the time. Um, But the issue is, and they, you know, the headquarters it's now they were like you know nobody's going to come to that session if they don't know the speaker which is such a sad thing but it's true we had like parallel sessions like you know you want to be a lawyer you want to be a doctor you want to be a teacher here's a panel of people who are doing that and they're like phds awesome people in their field like getting you know p- things were uh published and everything but our muslim people are like flocking to the u- room with the asar Gadi only and like it's like that topic has nothing to do with your life like why as you know like from example my mom like why are you going to that that has nothing to do with you like go to this session that's talking about this but oh i don't know that speaker (laughs) i I am guilty of that because uh like i think last year or two years ago me and my buddy who's like i'm in my mid-30s my buddy's in my early 40s and sheikh omar supposed to be at a talk so he's like oh he ain't coming so i crashed a talk with abdul nasser jangda about how to find a spouse See, and I was already married. Why did you do that? <laughs> you know, and I regretted it later. We're, but... we're all a little guilty of that. Come on, <laughs> let's be honest. But, but what I wanted to say is, is that there's a as any organization, for example, we we had Mohsin on, right? Mohsin was able to get very well known because of Omar Suleiman being attached yeah, to their sure, name, sure. and I think more and more of these more well known scholars, in order to kind of deflect some of that. Uh, uh, some of that attention that they're just getting all constantly, they need to prop up some organizations to to kind of take the load off of them, you know. And I think that that's very smart with uh, what Omar Sheikh Omar Suleiman did. 
Right. And I, but I think it goes back to this. We had this fanboy, fangirl culture, mm-hmm. which isn't like. Well, that's that's the problem with humans in general, you know, I think, right? But especially like in. A, and, and I think in, in America, it, it's interesting to say because where else are you going to see like a 14 year old kid get hype and line mm-hmm. up to crash a lecture by Yasser Qadi or Sheikh mm-hmm. Omar Soleimani? You don't see it in other faith communities, I don't think. And that's a fascinating thing about Islam. But at the same time, if you look at our history, um, our leaders, you know, check that kind of stuff because. I want to think about Umar ibn al-Khattab, he removed Khalid ibn al-Walid from his position when he was known as Saifullah because people were elevating Khalid. They were talking about him like... They're equating victory oh. to, to him. Exactly, right. And everyone was like, why are you removing Khalid? Is it a beef? It's like, no, people are not... The victory comes from Allah, not from Khalid. And people are talking about Khalid like he's the sole reason that we are gaining victory in these battles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to the point where Abu Bakr was worried like, hey, did you guys have beef? earlier mm. like it's just where's this coming from and it, it wasn't that it was there was a beef it was just that umar was worried that people are getting too attached to a personality yeah and when you see that happen in the community and oh, then yeah. someone takes a fall because we're all imperfect right there's only the prophet is the essence of perfection and our speakers and our scholars here have imperfections they're just like us in some right. ways yeah. and, and you know people put them on a pedestal and that's unfortunate um but about your organization, I understand you guys are a for-profit organization? Yes. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about that because that doesn't it, – it, it just sounds a little confusing. Yeah. An organization like this usually sounds like it should be nonprofit. Right. What's that about? Explain to our listeners what the differences are. Sure. Um, really, I feel – that you know a lot i i support nonprofits. i think they're awesome and they're needed but a lot of things that we do in the muslim community we there's nothing wrong with you know making it more of a business um and the really the only way we're doing that is so when we when we book speakers we take a commission so it's not just a database if you i'm sure like i know i saw that the discussion on that facebook event with ilm fest about the speaker the female speakers and there's a database you know here's a you know, 250 American Muslim speakers that are women. Um, and so we're not just putting a database together. We're helping these people market themselves when these, uh, as we talked about, they may not be as seasoned speakers. So we're helping them, you know, discover their voice. How can you write this? How can you perform this better? We're doing all this talent management. Um, so putting a lot of time into this. And honestly, I don't, we don't have that much time. We both work full time. And so that's one way to kind of help it be feel feel more formal. I mean, down the road, my plan, our plan is to you know be able to be doing this full time just because of that many bookings, that many speakers to be taken care of, that many conferences to go to, um, and I just feel like the quality can be higher if it is not not for profit. Yeah, talk to, that that's an issue that's you you touched on. You guys are both working full time. You're relatively new parents. You have a one year old daughter. Um, you know how has that challenge been addressed by you guys? Mm-hmm. And uh, and to add to that, because my parents are in Ohio, his are in here in Chicago. We're three hours from each of them, so every weekend it's here or there. Um, so very and Ramadan was nice because we didn't travel, so it was nice to catch up on everything. Um, but really, it's just you know, once Serena goes to sleep, we gotta do some work. It's updating the website. You know, we're doing everything, and so if there are people who want to help and get on board with all that kind of stuff, we're definitely um, looking for that. Yeah. But it's more, you know, my supervisor's also very flexible, so in the summer, obviously, it's a little slower on campuses because not that many students, so, you know, I might stay I, ha- during the lunch hour and just work on it there, um, things like that. Yeah, it's, well, one of the discussions I had with, um, one of the scholars at Infest that we just came back from from last weekend. All hands on deck, right? We need everyone on board. If anyone even cares about Islam to even listen to this podcast or 
any lecture or whatnot, you got to get involved in some way, in some capacity, whatever little time you, you might have in your schedule. You got to get involved. There's, Islam is not in uh, a luxurious position where you, you can just say that, oh, you know, I'll let so-and-so do the work. Right. Everyone needs to get involved. We have uh, general elections that are coming up in November, uh, possibly a president who hates Muslims. If now is not the time, I don't know what time will, mm-hmm. will, will there be for Muslims to get involved, right? Absolutely. So, Maria, before we wrap up, what's the future of Book of Muslim? So as like the first couple of years, we want to be on the college market. So we're getting there. We're getting our name out there. And our our hope is down the road when you go to, it's not anything like that. You know, people who are on a roster, they maybe have a pin that says Book of Muslim. So they know, okay, you know, if we want to invite the speaker, we can just go to that website and get them there. Um, other fields, you know, if that's the healthcare field, you know, there's a lot of times, you know, med, med schools will invite speakers to, okay, we're going to have Muslim patients. How do we work with them? Um, Islamic financing, you know, it just to insurance companies, things like that. They want to know, okay, what is it? Can you give a presentation on that? So just getting into different sectors that people are trying to make more inclusive of Muslims and their practices. So being that go-to place where, hey, I need this, and I know I can go to book a Muslim to book that speaker, artist, performer, whatever it is. Um, and the other thing, too, we're trying to add is um, allies. There's so many people who are allies to Muslims doing great work on our behalf or just speaking up for Muslims and giving them that platform as well. There's this artist, and she does a play here. She's from Chicago, but she does a play on refugees. And so a lot of t- not that every refugee is a Muslim, but a lot of times people assume that. And so they may they have to ask us, you know, what are you guys doing about Syria? What are things we can talk about about re- Syria? Um, and so we actually had this non-Muslim uh, person who does a lot of work and it's why not highlight them also if you guys follow Jeremy McLean she's that comedian right um, he's always standing up for Muslims so we're actually in talks with him as well like if we can get him out to co- campuses it's a comedian and yeah he's not Muslim but look you know how to be Muslim to support Muslims or just you know stand up for injustice exactly yeah, yeah so like as, as you guys get bigger and stuff, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you guys the tawfiq to grow and, you know, put barakah in this effort. And just don't forget about us, small guys, <laughs> when y'all get big. I mean, I'm sure in, in the near future you can get, you know, request a Sheikh Hamza Yusuf and we can make that happen, inshallah. Um, what's the website? It's just com. And the and the Launch Good campaign launch is linked good to- is, is, Yep, it's launchgood.com slash bookamuslim. Okay, and then how long does that go until? August 15th. Okay, sounds good. So uh, for our listeners out there, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at thebadmumlooks at gmail.com. I'd like to thank Sister Maria for coming on the show today. Um, if you like what you heard, you can rate our podcast at iTunes. Please give us five stars and leave us a review. Just say something simple like awesome podcast, 10, exc- 10 exclamation points. Mm-hmm. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our Facebook page. We are going to be on is- at Isna, as Sim had mentioned. We are going to have some awesome prizes and some games, uh, we, we, which we will reveal in the near future before. So, uh, if you we'll have any you- suggestions on prizes, <laughs> yeah, tweet us or send us an email. Yeah, we, we, we're discussing that right now. Um, so, inshallah, it sh- should be a good time. Uh, that's Labor Day weekend here in Chicago. Uh, for Maria Ahmed from Book of Muslim and my co-host Sim, this is Mahin signing off for the Mad Mum Looks. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.